0: Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. Oh, man. I don't even want to come up here after that. How many love your pastor? And uh, Kimmy. (laughs) Miss Kim, wow, what a team, what a great team here. And, you know, I, I say this often everywhere I go, it is so great to see a healthy church. It really is, because, you know, I have the advantage, disadvantage <laughs> of traveling. And uh, I get to see the church in small medium, and large settings, and I get to see the church in urban and suburban and rural settings, and it's an education, it, it really is. Sometimes uh I want to unlearn things, <laughs> and how many know education is about unlearning also? <laughs> Sometimes we come in with, you know, and I just really Love being in a in a healthy place, and I just want to honor Pastor and his team. I know this team, I know them well, several of them, and what they are bringing to this Bay Area. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what you call it, but we've been praying over that, and just wow, all the cities in this area. You have a great team that is building a great church. So I honor you. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted me to say about that? Was it, oh, No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Oh, that was bad. Would you take your Bibles out? Because I know you brought them. Hello? <laughs> Either on your lightsaber, your phone, or... Your copy of the Word, and go to Psalm seventy-eight. Now, I, I have to—I I really need to bring a disclaimer before I begin, because I don't—I don't know if I agree with everything that I'm about to say. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> anybody ever been there? It's like, yeah, especially when you're preaching and you have ADHD, it's really scary, and I, I, I'm not. I'm not that guy saying, you know, my ADD is kicking in. I have ADHD and I medicate for it. So if you have children who are, who are there, it's okay. All right? It's okay. A- and so I love to bring a disclaimer. I don't know where I'm going to go this morning sometimes. <laughs> and that's good for you. That really is good for you. It's great when you're in youth ministry because they don't have any clue anyway, right? I tell... I tell young people all the time, I love teenagers and I like adults. (laughs) So there's my disclaimer, okay. Um, Man, there's so many places we could go. I want to just, I want to begin with Psalm 78 and then I'm going to end up in Malachi chapter 4 where you'll see our, our text come in just a minute. But this weekend God has really challenged me to ask you, to become better at the, at the faith handoff from generation to generation. We have done a really poor job of handing our faith to our children. We, we Do not say, come on this early, okay? Do not get me going early. I'm trying to set this up, okay, and be nice right now. So... <laughs> Man, I'm going to gravitate to this side over there if you keep talking like that. But How <laughs> uh, I many know ministry ought to be fun, right? Um, but we have done a really poor job of handing the faith off from one generation to the next. And I just want to read like just two or three verses as I kind of move into this morning. And then we're going to land in Malachi uh, chapter 4, but in Psalm 78, it says this, give ear, to, give ear, my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will enter dark sayings of old, which we have heard, which we have known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children and their children and the generations to come after them, right? It goes on and on. I'm paraphrasing a little. And if you read the rest of the chapter, it is iconic, okay? It is iconic. There are phrases that if you were to read the rest of Psalm 78, you would be like, okay, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, that's good, that's good. I, rem- I remember that. And it's as if Asaph, who wrote this, th- this psalm, we know that David wrote most of the Psalms, but Asaph wrote about 18 or 20 of them. Asaph was reviewing the history of Israel. And, and if, I, I don't again, I don't have the time to read the rest of that chapter. But he begins to say how we have failed in the faith handoff of these dark sayings of old and the law and the precepts and the commandments and the works and the wonders and the marvelous things that God has done for us in generations to pass but we're not seeing them today it's a remarkable read and i believe if we are going to restore this nation the united the united States, if we are going to restore this nation to these Wonderful works and these marvelous things he has done in our forefathers, right? It's, it's, again, I don't have time to read the whole thing, but if you were to read this to your family, when you read this to your family tonight, you would see something missing. And then we move to what I believe is the key to this faith handoff. In Malachi chapter 4 so if you would go there just forward to the last book of the Old Testament I believe this is the key to what God wants to do in America today we how many know in this nation we need an awakening we need a supernatural revival Because we've already proven, hear me, we've already proven that we are incapable of it as a people. I I said, we've already proven that we are incapable of it as a people. Look what we've done. We've done our best, and this is what we got. We've put out our, our best foot forward, and we've given it our best shot. And look what we've done with it we need a holy interruption in malachi chapter 4 we are given the prescription for an awakening and it's not as sexy as you think it's not as simple as you think it's not as Great as you, as, I don't know if you remember when the prophet was going to, was going to uh, be used in this great way. And, and he, he had this in mind. And he's like, I, I'm going to do, this is how I want it to happen. And his servant came and said, no, 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 that's not how it's going to. You wanted it to be a certain way, but that is not how God is going to do it. Remember that? And Naaman says, no, 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 this is how we're going to do it. And a little boy walks up to him, I'm sorry, a little girl walks up to him, a little middle school girl, a lad still, not an adult, and simply says, Men of God, if you do it that way, you're going to get what you got. God wants you to do something different. Something, listen, not so great. That's what she said. That's what a middle school girl told the prophet. Remarkable story. And then we have this this challenge. We can't call it anything other than this challenge. Look at Malachi 4 and verse 1. For behold, a day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root. Or branch. So that's the first part of this prophetic word from Malachi. Who happens to be one of the younger prophets that is prophesying. And who happens to close out the Old Testament. How many know last words are pretty important? (laughs) Last words are very important. And these are some of the last words that we have here recorded in the Old Testament in chronological order. And the prophet says... For those who are outside, the wicked, this is what's going to come to you. And then he turns the corner in verse 2 and he says, But to you who fear my name. That would be those who are inside the commonwealth of Israel. The believer, right? Most of us in the room. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Amen? you will go out and you will grow fat like stall-fed calves and you you will trample the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this says the Lord of Hosts right catch that phrase on the day that I do this what on the day that I do what on the day that you do what on the day that he brings this humanity to a close In the end times, in the last days. In God's operation of the last days. I'm here to tell you this morning that we're not, I don't, I honestly don't believe that we're close. And I know people will say different kinds of things and they'll, you know, uh, get us excited that these, these are the end, right? And the prophetic, the prophecies have been made. But here is one of the most critical. It is the central prophetic word. Did I lose the. I better not lose power right now. Okay. <laughs> this is one of the central keys to the end times. And we're not even close to seeing this happen. Watch. Remember the law of Moses my servant which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and the judgments do do you recall what we just read in Psalm 78 the statutes the commandments the judgments the precepts the wonders the works the miracles that we've seen our forefathers right most of you in the room have heard about a revival but we want to see it with our own eyes. I don't want to raise a generation that hasn't seen God move. I don't want to raise a generation that has only heard that God moved. I want to raise a generation of children who have watched God move in their midst. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to tell them about it. I want to demonstrate it to them, and I want them to see it so badly. And he says, remember, because behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And this is what he will do. He will turn the heart of the parents to the children. And he will turn the heart of the children to the parents before I come, unless... This happens, I will bring a curse. Do you believe the Word of God? I believe we are so close to being cursed. I believe we are dangerously walking a thin line. Of being cursed. I don't want to leave to this generation a curse. I want to leave to this generation a blessing. I want them to see God. I don't want them to hear about God. I want my kids to rise up and say, Grandpa, Daddy, we've seen everything you've talked about. Something must take place in this nation. And that is a revival of the family. Listen, it is only going to happen if we start, hear me, if we value. Moments that create movements. Because what happens normally every Sunday in America is we check in and we check out. And we would rather go to church than be the church. Somebody hear me? We would rather go to church than be, we would rather attend church than be involved in church. We don't want the pressure of having to live it out there. So we're just going to go there and we're going to do that. Let me tell you something. This is who we are, not what we do. This This is who we are. This is not simply what we do for 75 minutes on a Sunday morning. We need to learn to value these prophetic moments that we are in when we gather as a body. Because what has happened over the course. I'm just going to say the last decade. Is the church has fallen asleep. And the reason why. Is because our families. Are dangerously close. To being cursed. Man I I love you. I love the church. God doesn't have another way. God doesn't have another son. There's not not another plan. Look Look around the room. You are God's plan. That's it. He's not, God's not up in Heaven scratching His head going, what are we going to do next? Qu- quick, son, I need another plan because this isn't working. Hello? We are God's plan. Th- that's it, he, there's no out. There's I know it's discouraging when you look at the person next to you, right? Or you look in the mirror and go, hold it, me, her, my husband, my kids? Yes. This is all he has to work with. God doesn't do oops sales, (laughs) right? where he's like, "Well, that didn't let's just sell it for short and try all over again." He doesn't have a second son. The first plan worked. He just needs us to cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit today. And we do that by beginning to value moments like this. I re- listen, every Saturday night I text my kids. I'll FaceTime them often. All my kids that are in ministry. And I will say to them, build the church tomorrow. And I always get back, Daddy, we're praying for you. They'll challenge me with words, right? When you raise preachers, they, yeah, they just do that. If we don't see an awakening in the family, the church is going to continue to be ineffective in society. Because the church is made up of families. And right now, it is very unhealthy. Can, can, can we talk? <laughs> I believe that we need several things to happen in order for us to be awakened. I want to give you three or four things, but I'm not going to talk about all of them. The first one is this. We need the elder wisdom of the saints in this place who have watched God move in their in, in their past and who can share that and sit down with the rest of us and say, this is how we got there. Do you know that every awakening in American history was begun by young people but sustained by adults? Who paid for it. <laughs> and many, and led it and guided it. Hello? And shaped it. Listen, I was born in 1963, somewhere around there, in, in Central California, in San Francisco. And I was born just about five or six years before the Jesus movement broke out in 1967. And I watched for... Ten years, a full decade, to 1977, really into 78, the Jesus Movement put its stamp on this nation. Time Magazine called the Jesus Movement the greatest spiritual moment in American history. Did you hear that? Front cover. You can, you can Google it and see it. It doesn't mean if you Google it it's true, but you can Google it and see it there, okay? Time Magazine, Jesus Movement, greatest spiritual moment in the history of America. But that was done in 1978-ish. We haven't seen an awakening in this nation since. It's right. And what we have done is we have handed off, we have handed off a religious spirit. We have handed off dead, listen, death to this from generation to generation. Let me prove it, because some of you are like, man, I don't know if I like this guy. Angelo, are you next week? He's next week. I won't be here. Can I just prove what I'm saying to you this morning? Here's what the statistics say. The silent generation, which is the grandparents in the room, the older grand, grandson in the room, because I have six grand boys, and that is a freaking wrestling match. The grandparents in the room had about a 65% biblical worldview. That means that they thought about the issues of the day through a biblical perspective. Then they had Gen X, my generation. So the silence had the Gen X, and the Gen X biblical worldview dropped down to 32%, 32 32.5%, dropping in half from their parents. And then Gen X had the Millennials. Oh, my goodness, the Millennials. Snowflakes. I love you. And the Millennials came along, and when you look at the stats from the 65% in the silent generation and the 32%, 33% in the Gen X, their first set of kids dropped to 19% biblical worldview. And in, 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 in just three generations, we see this incredible, poor, un, almost unbelievable, unbelievably poor faith handoff. Until you get to Gen Z, which are teenagers today. And Gen X had the second set of kids called Gen Z. And Gen Z today has a 4% biblical worldview. Can you even wrap your mind around that? I'm not making these statistics up. This is Barner Research Group and this is pewforum.com, P-E-W. These are all statistically proven data query searches across our nation. And we have done a poor job handing the faith from one generation to the next. Proven simply, simply by the fact that you may not have even brought your Bible to church. And you may not even know where it is. And the last time you read it was when Pastor Angela opened it up last week in this room. Proven simply by the fact that you may not have worshipped since last week, when Daya and this team led us before him this morning. And we began to say, the greatest one of all, and your heart was poured out to but you didn't, you haven't worshipped since last week. And we wonder why America is in its condition today. It is not the fault of government. It is not a Republican's or a Democrat's or an independent's fault. It is not the fault of this president or past presidents. The condition of this nation is not the fault of our education system. It is not the fault of social media It is not the fault of movies or theaters. It is not the fault of progressives. The reason we are in the condition that we are in in this nation is because of the family. An unhealthy family. And the church looks like its families i know there's a dual responsibility of this pastoral team raising doing spiritual formation in your life but hear me this church is not a crutch this pastor you Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 and 12 this pastor was not called here to do the work of the ministry he was called here to get you to do the work of the ministry. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. That's, that's not easy. That, that, that's why it was just deacons and their families and the heads of department that clapped on that one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's just not, no, 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 no. We pay the pastor to visit people. We pay the pastor to baptize. We pay the pastor to marry people. No, you don't. That is not even, that's not biblical. You pay the pastor to get you to do the work of the ministry. Shepherds don't beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. And we are unhealthy because our families are unhealthy. Let me, uh, let me fly through these others and just drop these off with you the wisdom of the elders the passion of the young people the third one is the operation and the power of the holy spirit in our lives we we need the saints to be filled with the spirit do you know that all, do you know that all of my kids were healed in our home all of my kids were healed in our home because the power of the Holy Spirit led our home. I can remember my youngest son, Just, was he's a football player, and in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, he had warts on his left hand, and we tried everything to get rid of them. Couldn't get rid of them. Chemicals, freezing, diet, doctors, fasting. Brought him before the elders. Brought him at the altars. Uh, oil, we've tried it we tried it all. And it only got worse and as a middle linebacker in the in, in the fall, it would get cold, right? And he would knock him on a helmet or get stepped on and they would break out and he would always have bandages on his hand, even at school. Have to wear a glove and cover them up. And we're eating dinner and having family devotions. And we're eating dinner and having family devotions. Uh, oh, do not urge me on. We, I'm trying to stay focused here. We were eating dinner and having family devotions, as we did three days a week. We couldn't do, m- all my kids were involved in multiple sports and involved in youth ministry, and so we failed them. We could not do it seven days a week. <laughs> but we did it three days a week. And my kids knew that this was priority. And so we're, we're at our table and we're talking as we did, and we sometimes read a scripture, sometimes read through a book together, and sometimes pray, sometimes just worship and eat. And my son slams his hand down on the table, and everyone is just like, okay. And he said, I'm sick of it. And Angelo and Kim know, no, my wife, some of you know my story, my wife passed away five and a half years ago. And Jane stood up and she walked over to the cupboard and she grabbed the oil and walked over and said, everyone over here. And we were all like, okay. Because she just, I married above my head, right, the president of the I Married Above My Head club. You can be vice president, but I'm, right. <laughs> and she took the oil as we all walked over and laid hands on it and poured it all over his hand. And do you know, out of that authority and the move of the Spirit, in that moment of frustration, we were all, I had no faith in that moment because we had tried everything. Uh, the only thing I was, I was just being obedient. I wasn't even being obedient to the Holy Spirit. I was being obedient to Jane. Okay, I'm just telling you. And do you know, six days later, every single wart was gone. He didn't have scars and they never came back. Six days Do you know what that does to a to a freshman? Do you know what that does to his team when he shows up and a week later his hand is perfect? Do you know what that does to his faith? And we didn't have to come to the altars at church because the Holy Spirit was moving in our home I could share story after story. I can tell you I've heard my kids say, my dad was the same at church as he was at home. I've heard my kids say, my dad pastored us and it hurt. (laughs) Listen, I know it is intimidating. Listen, I don't have a perfect family. Nor do you. And I know that this is intimidating, and what we're about to do this morning is going to be one of the most difficult things that you've done. You have you have to trust me. I have been doing this this year because the Holy Spirit asked me to do it. And in, and in places where I go and do this, it is it is it is not easy. I've even had pastors say, "Hmm, are, are you are you sure?" I've had them say, uh, "Don't forget about you know this family when we do this and." Uh, okay (laughs) but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said every service that you close this year I want the family together in those moments of worship and prayer so in just a moment we're gonna move across this place into circles of your family group because the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step and this morning we're gonna try and take that baby step I know we can't accomplish everything in the next 15 minutes I know that but we can accomplish one thing because if we want to see an awakening in this nation It begins in our homes. Let me give you the last point, and that is countering the sexual revolution that we are in right now. Please do not miss this point. Our kids have no identity, they're so confused. I know I'm speaking generally because I'm sure there's there's a middle school boy in here right now who's going, man, I, I'm good. I, I, I know who I am. I know what you're saying. And there's a high school girl in here going, and you're starting to feel it right now too because you have friends who I'm talking about. I, I, so I know this doesn't apply to everyone, but hear me. The statistics are not. This has become... The sexual revolution has become, I think, the curse that is growing on this nation. And if you look at the history of sexual revolutions in this nation, there, there is no argument that the one we are in now is a tsunami of satanic proportions. And it begins with teenagers who do not know who they are. They do not realize that they are princes and princesses of a great king. And he's just trying to turn them into kings and queens. But they don't even know who they are. They don't understand why they're here. Because, listen, look at every awakening and every revival throughout history. And it began with teenagers and young people. Bar none. Bar no awakening in this nation. Do the research into history. I've written a book on it. Do the research into history. Every awakening in this nation began with teenagers and young people. Who repented of their sin. Brokenness. I say often... The reason why we aren't even close to the end of times is because our families are destroyed and there's no brokenness in our nation. And brokenness brings revival. We don't get revival when we take the pastors out of suits and ties and put them in jeans. That's not working. We don't get revival when we build new buildings. That's not working. We don't get awakenings when we get new websites and we start playing with toys and sing new songs and that's that's not working either. We get revival when we are broken for our sin and families walk into the building and bring it. God didn't call you to come here to worship. He called you to come here worshiping. You see the play? You see the switch? I know it's slight. It's like magic, wasn't it? Did you catch it? God didn't call you to come here to worship. He called you to come here worshiping. God didn't call you to come here as a family to pray. He called you to come here praying because it's not what we do, it's who we are. Will you stand please across this place? I wish I could tell you it's ABC, it's one, two, three. And all we gotta do is wave our hand over the place and say abracadabra and pull the rabbit out. I wish we could do that. I wish we could sleight of hand and pull something out of the sleeve and say, there it is. I wish I could just put my hand around right and pull it out of the back of the ear and say, ha ha. I wish we could, I wish that we could, I wish it was so much easier. But sir ma'am grandpa guardian heads of homes this isn't going to be easy i wish we could just bring you all up pray for you and the spirit of god moves and it flows into the next service and I canceled my camp this week and Pastor says can you come back Monday? Nope. As much as I want to agree with that amen and that clap. Nope. Because God is the same at your place than he is here. it's not that easy and he's not going to give you an out because the prophet said the only way to get rid of this curse is for parents to win the heart of their kids and for children to win the heart of their parents that's it So can we take a step this morning? I know some of you are like, time to go. (laughs) I'm out of here. But I want you right now to move into family groups. Would you do that real quick? Just get in a circle. I don't want you looking at me anymore. Just move to family groups, get in a circle. You're not looking forward anymore, okay? Just look at each other. If there's young adults in the room would, would the young adults just, like, could somebody sweep them up, right? Could grandmas and grandpas look at the young adults and say, come on over here. Come on over here. I know, man, you're a guest here, and you're like, ah, uh, this is too much. I, I can't do this. I can't. It's okay. Families, will you look around and see if somebody needs to be brought in? Come on. Just real quick, look around, and maybe you're just a couple, and you're like, can I bring somebody in that's near me that's, all oh, come on. But I want family groups for sure. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to pray right now. Just, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my family. Come on, just say it. Head of household, just say it. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my family. I don't even know how to do this. But I'm saying, Holy Spirit, invite you into my family right just simple that simple I I know it's so awkward some of you are like do I hold hands do I put hands on a shoulder my my kids are going to think wow my dad's never done this or my mom's never done this my grandma's never right just try take a step all of us take a step Holy Spirit I invite you into our home forgive us Would you say to the whole whole family, just say, forgive us. Forgive us for that. Why? I don't know why. I don't know why we use the church for a crutch. I don't know why we're so codependent upon the church. When you've given us everything that we need right in our home to God, to bring an awakening to this nation. Secondly, I want you to do this. I want you to ask God to give you the ideas and the creativity to begin family dinner, family altar, family devotions right now. Like, just say, God, help me as a dad. I don't even know. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Kids, w- would you just say, Mom and Dad, I want to do this. I really do. You got my support. I know this won't be right. Come on, God, give us the ideas. us ideas. We're going to eat together three days a week. And every time we do, we're going to open the scriptures. We're going to read it. You wouldn't recognize your family in a month if you did this. We had a rule at our table. You could talk with food in your mouth. (laughs) And my kids took advantage of it. (laughs) On, right now God give us ideas how are we going to do this is it before we go to bed every night I can hear my kids saying dad are you coming in maybe it's in the morning where you're prepping them for school and you play worship and just have a verse of the day I don't know how you're going to do it but God give us ideas the third thing I want you to pray is for your neighbors. I want you to call your neighbors out by name right now. You passed them this morning, maybe, and they are cutting the yard. Right? I want you to pray for your neighbor. You know what my wife did? We had a pantry where we had all of our snacks in the kitchen. And when you opened that pantry door, on that door was all of our neighbors' names. And we lived in a cul-de-sac one time. And she drew the cul-de-sac, the circle. And there was the Martinez family and the Estes family. And there was the Johnsons. And there was all of these, the Murphy family, all of these families were there. And their names were listed, their phone numbers, where they worked, what school, right? And we told our kids, every time you get a snack, you have to pray for your neighbors. (laughs) How many know our neighbors are getting a lot of prayer pray for your neighbors right now just like 30 more seconds call them out by name that they they're they're going through divorce their kid ran away from home this week is addicted on drugs come on pray for them right now get a burden for them maybe when you go back home and you pull in and they're out there right you just walk over and say man we had a great day at church I'd like to invite you next week what are you guys doing right that's simple give the Holy Spirit a chance Give him a chance. I want us to pray for one more thing. I want us to begin to pray for our nation right now. Wow. Sir, let your kids hear right now. Let your spouse hear right now. You say, God, we need an awakening in it. God. Move in our nation from top to bottom. Come on, pray right now. Students cry out, cry out for schools, cry out for workplaces. Would you cry out for your, your for our president in the cabinet? And would you would you cry out for leaders of your mayors? Senator, right? God. Move in our nation. Move us. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Send revival. Pour out your spirit. And begin it in my home. Right? Say that to your say that to your family. Begin it right here. God, begin it right here. We're taking the first step. We are taking the first step. Would, would you come now? I want everyone in the house to turn and come to the front right now as we sing this. Come on, I want everybody, would you, would you come and just come and fill the front of this place as as, as we sing this? Come on. God send revival. Cover this land. A move of your spirit like we've never seen before, right? Come on. Will you throw your hands up and just worship together as a family?
1: Come on.
0: Come on. Come on, team.
1: Come in power. Like you've done it before, would you do Come on, pray it. it. Come on, pray it. Lord send, God, we ask. Lord send it now. God, we ask. Move of your Heaven. Heaven, break out. Come now, in power. Cover this land like you've done it before. Would you do it again? Do it again. again.
0: Come on, say it. Come on, say it.
1: I cover this.
0: about you but hell is shaking and I'm not I I don't even honestly, honestly honestly I've never said that with this message before I'm not playing on your emotions I have never said that statement that I just said right now in this message at the altars but I'm telling you I feel it I feel that that when heaven when heaven orders. Listen. When heaven orders things aright in the family, hell shakes. Let me tell you why. Because children aren't born racist. Children aren't born addicted or with a poverty mindset. They aren't born rebellious. I know that you might think so as a two-year-old, but hear me, they are raised racist. They're learning everything they're learning. Hear me, not from society. They're learning it in the family. Unfortunately, what has happened is the family has put it off and said, go ahead and raise my kids. telling you 18, 17 minutes is all we took right there. We prayed for a little bit, four areas, and we worshiped half a song in 17, 18 minutes. If you did this every week, not daily, can you imagine, you wouldn't recognize your family You wouldn't. Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now that you would move upon heads of homes right now. Fathers, mothers, grandparents, guardians, aunts, uncle, I don't know who's leading this family. God, would you move upon heads of homes to to take a step? Uh, It's painful. I I watched. I've seen it. It's painful. I've watched this husbands can't even face their wives. They can't even look at each other. They didn't mumble a word. I get it. It's painful. But the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Listen, it took us 60 years, pastor, to get where we're at today hear me? It took us 60 years to get where we're at today. From the grandparents, 65% biblical worldview, silent generation, to Gen Z today at 4% biblical worldview. It took us 60 years. What is it going to take to get it back? It's not pretty. I'm telling you, it's not pretty. We either desperately need God to wave his hand over this nation and do it for us, or do, it, everything, do everything that he's called us to do. Us, for us to do it for us. God, some things you can deliver us from, some things you ask us to be disciplined in, some things you can do on your own. I know you could, and it seems so much easier, but God, I believe you're calling the family take back every neighborhood where they live. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I see it in kids' lives. I see it in teenagers' lives who down, deep down inside right now, they're saying, yes, Jeff. Yes, Jeff. I want this so bad. Listen, mom and dad, they may not act like it, but deep down inside, they want it so freaking That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as RockChurchMI.